Good morning. So Sherry is always a tough act to follow. I don't have a dog, I don't have props, and I don't have a movable easel either. So uh, bear with me. This is probably going to be kind of boring compared to what you just went through. Uh, but today, I'm excited about sharing with you uh, a brief look at Galatians chapter 5 and the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, before we start, I'd like to just uh, offer up a quick word of prayer. Lord Jesus, uh, I pray that what is shared here today would be a message of encouragement, would build up the body of Jesus Christ here, and would be true and honoring you and your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, Kathy and I have been married for uh, a little over 12 years now, and when, before we got married, when we got engaged, um, we took a... Uh, we did pre-marriage counseling and we did uh, the Briggs-Myers personality assessment when we did our uh, marriage counseling. So we answered questions about ourselves and about each other and then we compared our answers. And when we compared our answers, my answers and her answers for Kathy, they were very similar. But then when we compared our answers for me, a lot of times Kathy's answers and my answers were the opposite. So you're thinking major red flag, right? Well, obviously Kathy didn't see it because we got married. But uh, <laughs> I just wanted to be honest and truthful, so I answered according to what I knew my natural tendencies were. And she answered according to what she'd observed in my life. They were opposites. I knew the deceitfulness of my sinful heart, but so far she'd only seen what the Spirit of Christ was producing in me. And I can't tell you how grateful I am for the transforming power of Christ in me. So grateful. So let's talk about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, uh, Paul writes, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So I looked at this and I was realized right away the world system believes that being a Christian actually deprives people of freedom, of fun. They see it as the opposite of freedom. They see Christianity as a list of rules and regulations like other religions. But how much freedom do people caught in the world system really have? I mean. If they think we're not free, how much freedom do they have? How much fun are the consequences of sin that kind of freedom produces? Well, hangovers aren't freedom. Addictions aren't freedom. Failed relationships aren't freedom. Financial debt is not freedom. Communicable diseases, that's not freedom. And obviously prison isn't freedom. So it's true that by following Christ, we've been spared many of these consequences, but there is so much more to freedom in Christ than following the rules and avoiding negative consequences, so much more. So there are two points that we need to consider uh, when we're looking at the freedom that we have in Christ. First of all, uh, we need to understand that our freedom in Christ should be enjoyed. It should be enjoyed. Christ gave his life for it. It came at a heavy price. 
The Apostle Paul here is speaking of freedom from Old Testament law and legalism, but he's also speaking of our freedom from the bonds of sin and a new way of living that empowers us to become the person that we were created to be. The laws of the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Christ, and religious rules have been made, uh, religious rules made by man no longer apply. The stranglehold of our fleshly desires has been broken, praise God. In Christ, we have been freed from them, from all of them. We should rejoice in this freedom. We should celebrate it. Thank God for this freedom. The second point that we need to consider is that our freedom should not be an imposition to others. It shouldn't be an imposition to others. Um, A British professor named Lord Acton is credited with saying, freedom is not the right to do what we want, but the ability to do what we ought. Freedom is not the right to do what we want, but the ability to do what we ought. And I would add in Christ, it's the power to do what we ought. In 1 Corinthians 10.23, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but everything is not, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So the problem with living a totally unrestricted life, pursuing our basis desires, is that our freedom becomes an imposition to others. Somebody has to pay the bills, and somebody has to clean up the mess. Um, in our neighborhood, there was a, when I moved in there, there's a single mom and her son, and, and the son is McKenna's age, actually. He's 18 now, but they grew up in the same neighborhood as us. And about a year ago, for some reason, mom moved out and moved somewhere else and left her son there to live there with his friends. And... Uh, They've been exploring their freedom. I know this because uh, I like to sleep with the windows open in the spring, summer, and fall. And uh, they have cars and motorcycles, but they don't have mufflers. They have loud music. They have subwoofers that rattle my windows. They have shouting voices. They have flying up and down the streets on four-wheelers. And all of this is like in the middle of the night. So, yeah, uh, it looks like that they have freedom, right? They're just doing whatever they want. But mom's still paying the mortgage. Mom's still paying the utilities. Mom's still buying groceries. And mom even comes over and mows the yard. So, (laughs) their freedom comes in an imposition to others, right? Worldly freedom comes at the expense of others. Something we need to know. Um, moving on, in Galatians 5.13, Paul repeats himself, basically, and he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Um, my wife uh, is playing the role of Dr. Catherine Nelson right now. She's in Spain with uh, a group of students, and in order to enjoy this trip with her, to participate. I've been reading uh, about Spain in some books. Uh, The Ghost of Spain is the one I just finished. And 
on the coast, the south coast of Spain, is uh, a province called Costa del Sol. And in the past 50 years, there's been a lot, a lot of money moved into this area. There was even a sheik that built a replica of the White House, which he's visited maybe a, less than a handful of times. So there's just been a lot of money moved into this area, a lot of construction, and a lot of corruption, big time corruption. Uh, and they have a word for, that, for it in, in Spanish. The word is enchufe. I like it. It's a cool word. Enchufe, it means this is how we get things done. Enchufe. And uh, the attitude behind it was described by one author like this. It's, queremos comer sin trabajar. Queremos comer sin trabajar, which means we like to eat without working. We want to eat without working. That's the attitude behind it. And I just love how candid Spaniards can be sometimes. Uh, but this enchufe, it's a means of getting things done. It's bribes and kickbacks. It's a combination of nepotism and playing or withholding favors. The only way to get things done is through leverage. And if you have no leverage, you're kind of out of the loop. This Enchufe, it's the opposite of serving one another in love. The freedom in Christ that Paul describes in Galatians is not using others to get things done. Yes, we are freed from the power of sin, and we're freed from ritualistic expectations, but our freedom should also benefit others and not just ourselves. That's the freedom that we have in Christ. And our freedom should enable us to joyfully serve one another in love. Now, it's true that love is a commitment, but it should be much more than just a commitment. There should be peace and joy involved in exercising our freedom. Now, I've been heard to say in the past, uh, actually quite a few times, half the things I do, I have been guilted into. That's right. Half the things I do, I've been guilted into. Have you ever felt that way? Well, I may fulfill those commitments, but am I finding peace and joy in the process with that attitude? No. And so I have to check my attitude when I have agreed to something to make sure I am treating it like an opportunity instead of an obligation. Moving on in verse 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul writes, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that, you're, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. When I looked at this, I realized this is a cliff notes. This is kind of the Reader's Digest version of Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7. It's the conflict between spirit and flesh. It's the struggle we go through as we fail to live into that which Christ has offered us through his death and resurrection. It is a struggle that can oppose the freedom that we have in Christ. I just selected a small passage out of Romans chapter 7, this is verse 21, to illustrate this point. In Romans 7, 21, Paul writes, 
So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man am I who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. To that I say a hearty amen. Thanks be to God who has delivered us through Jesus Christ. Now those of you that know me uh, pretty well know that one of my favorite uh, authors is a man named Watchman Nee. Uh, he was, uh, lived in China during the uh, communist revolution there. He spent the last 20 years of his life in, in jail, died in prison for his faith. But before they put him in jail, he actually went on a series of lectures. And those lectures are recorded in several books that he has. Uh, the, the most well-known one is called The Normal Christian Life. The Normal Christian Life. Uh, I highly recommend it as reading. Um, it's a wonderful book. And I'm going to do something totally absurd here. I'm going to try to summarize part of the book in one paragraph. Um, if you had a $20 bill and you put it in an envelope, put it in an envelope, and you light the envelope on fire, what happens to the $20 bill? Well, the very same thing that's happening to the envelope happens to the $20 bill. Kids, don't try this at home. Uh, and so in a very similar way, when we put our faith in Christ, we are placed into Christ. Our old sinful nature is crucified and placed into the tomb with Christ. Our new nature arises from the grave with him in new life. We are no longer a slave to sin. That person is dead and gone. The new person is empowered by the resurrected life of Christ. Our new person doesn't do what the old person did. We are now free to be the person God created us to be. There is a complete surrender to God's desire to work in and through us. At least there should be. Watchman Nui summarizes with one sentence. He says, Lord, I am unable to do anything for thee, but I trust thee to do everything in me. Yeah, he speaks in King James Version, but it's still powerful. Lord, I'm un unable to do anything for thee, but I trust thee to do everything in me. So in verse 19, Paul goes into some detail to remind us of the ugliness of what the sinful nature produces. This is what happens when we are seeking the freedom of the world instead of the freedom that we've been given in Christ. Verse 19 of uh, Galatians chapter 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a pretty ugly list, but a quick reminder 
uh, the letter of Galatians was written to the church. It was written to believers. It's possible for those professing to know Christ to act like this. And some of you had, had experience with people like this. And I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. This is what our lives produce when we are ignorant of the life the Spirit can produce in us. Or when we lack the faith to step into that life. Or when we refuse to listen to the guidance of the Spirit. This is a selfish freedom that is an imposition to others. It's corruption. It's the enchufe, the way of getting things done in the world. These acts destroy both you and those around you. It's the blueprint of Satan to destroy our lives. Now, would you want to be eternally committed to a world where this behavior was tolerated? No, I wouldn't. And if you're in Christ, it isn't going to happen because Paul warns us at the end of the verse, those who live like this will not participate in the kingdom of God. They won't participate. Now, uh, while I was preparing the sermon, uh, my brother that lives in Cincinnati, uh, some of you have met him, he's visited here a few times, uh, he sent me this article by Denise McAllister, and it's entitled, Am I Free to Be What I Want? Am I Free to Be What I Want? And I'd like to take a couple quotes from that article. Uh, Denise writes, The bird is happiest, his truest self, when he flies, not when he swims. Oddly, as fallen humans, we are often birds who want to swim, failing to realize that we were designed to fly. We harm ourselves, our own sense of true identity, with our silly, fallen, and depraved desires. As sinners, we constantly feel the tension between what we want and who we truly are and are meant to be. Our only hope to ease that tension is in Christ. Only those who are growing in Him see the gap closing as what we want bends to align with who we are as designed by God. Some pretty powerful words. When we stop seeking after worldly freedom and we start pursuing the freedom we have in Christ, it results in completely different fruit a completely different lifestyle. The fruit of the Spirit, uh, Paul lists it in Galatians uh, chapter 5 and verse 22, and we saw it uh, right there. There it is. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, some translations say forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And it's so easy to just cruise over that list but those are beautiful, wonderful words. Let's just take a minute and reflect on them. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is somebody you want to do life with. This is somebody you want to become. This is somebody 
who's a powerful force in the kingdom of God. This is a life where Christ has become the unchufi. Christ has become the means of getting things done and not our flesh. This spring, uh, our middle school group went over the fruit of the Spirit, and as I studied one of these attributes each week, I was convicted of the fruit that the Spirit was not being allowed to produce in me. You can't study God's Word and not become convicted, am I right? Uh, my love, sometimes it, it's still conditional. My joy and peace, it's based on current circumstances. My forbearance, it's more like the patience of a hungry bear sometimes. My kindness is lacking in goodness. And my self-control is challenged whenever I'm involved in a competitive activity. I had to confess to the kids that, yes, during a tennis match, I have thrown my tennis racket. And that I quit watching the Nebraska Cornhusker several years ago because I couldn't make it through a game without losing self-control. And of course, after that, then there's the post-game shame, which I have to endure. And maybe some of you have had that same struggle in the last few years. God gave us this list of spiritual fruit to show us what freedom in Christ looks like. To understand the life that he has given us through the death and resurrection of his son. If in faith we'll only take hold of it. It's something that took me a long time to grasp. Long time. Over 50 years of my life. It's all right there. Christ has done it. He has done the complete work. He took us with him to the grave. He gave us resurrected life. He empowers us to be the people God called us to be. But you have to believe it. You have to take hold of it by faith. That's the only way you'll ever live this life. It has to be taken hold of by faith. Now, Paul ends the chapter saying, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now, this seems like kind of a random thing to say after listing the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, very anticlimactic. So I looked at it closer and I began to realize that even walking in the power of the Spirit can lead to temptation. The temptation to take credit for ourselves that which the Holy Spirit is producing in us. Walking in the freedom of Christ and the success it brings can lead us, it can tempt us to be prideful. We must never forget that any credit for success and bearing fruit belongs to God and not ourselves. Any success in bearing fruit, it belongs to God, the credit, not to us. And Paul reinforces that thought in chapter 6, saying, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Going back to that article uh, written by Denise McAllister one more time, uh, she gives us this quote, when it comes to freedom of any sort, you're free from the oppression of others, bound only by God's created order and the nature of the self as he fashioned it. 
You are free from others because you are enslaved to God. But that slavery isn't slavery at all. It's freedom because the freest person ever to exist is the one who lives not as he wants according to his fallen desires or as other people demand, but as he truly is, as he is designed to be by his loving creator. There will always be room for growth in all of us as we learn to walk in the freedom that we have in Christ. As we let go and allow the Spirit to produce this fruit in us. But that's the joy of the journey. Realizing that more and more we reflect the character of Christ as we learn how to submit to the Holy Spirit. Having our loved ones and those around us see someone completely different from what we were apart from Christ. And knowing that our example to the world is more and more an accurate reflection of the freedom that they also might enjoy in Jesus Christ. I'd like to ask the band to come back up uh, uh, and uh, let's close here with a prayer. Lord Jesus, you have bought our freedom at a tremendous price. You gave your life for it. Teach us to walk in that freedom, to grab hold of it by faith, to appreciate and treasure it. Increase our faith to take hold of it and the power to walk in it. And thank you for this amazing expression of your love and grace. It's in the name of Christ I pray, amen.